And I was like, okay, this is weird. Howdy, you're listening to Come and Take It, a talk show about Texas by Texans, where three friends born and raised in the Lone Star State share our views on the history, culture, and just what it means to be Texan. I'm Mike Zulkowski. I'm Sean McIver. And I'm Scott Elfstrom. This week, we finish our look at many of the terrible tornadoes that have struck Texas through its history. But first, what's your favorite Texas-based charitable organization? Well, I like the uh, Texas Baptist Men. I'm a Baptist. Uh, and this is an association, uh, this is an organization associated with the Southern Baptist of Texas. But these are men who volunteer to go uh, into a disaster area immediately afterwards and provide food and water to disaster areas right after they happen. And then after, uh, uh, after that, then they go in, they help start demolition on ruined homes. They do work of cleaning them up. They do reframing work, and then they get up. They get everything up to putting the sheetrocks, sheetrock on the homes, especially in the hurricane uh, and flood areas. Uh, so it's it's a it's a great uh, it's a great uh, organization. Uh, men put in a lot of really hard work. Uh, they go all over the state. They immediately res- immediately respond right away. Uh, and uh, this year they had a very very challenging year uh, with all the floods and the hurricanes uh, that Texas suffered through. So. Uh, they're, they're a tremendous group. Well, uh, in a different kind of disaster recovery, I want to talk about the Children's Advocacy Center. And these are located throughout Texas. They're usually based by county. And uh, here in Tyler, we have the Children's Advocacy Center of Smith County, and we do a lot of things to help support them. And they exist to really help children who have either been the victims of abuse or witnessed violent crimes and, you know, really help these sort of broken children and families kind of pick up the pieces and move on. Uh, and so if uh, you know someone who's in distress or needs to reach out, the Children's Advocacy Center can provide a lot of support. And uh, we'll put a link on the page, too. And they're, and they're in every county in the, in the state, so or most of the counties in the state. So you can... Um, it's a really, really good resource. Yeah. We, we've, we've, uh, we've done stuff with CAC in uh, Collin County as well. Well, um, I'm going to mention um, a place called Hope Supply Company. Uh, they're at uh, hopesupplyco.org. Um, and their main uh, charity, what they do is they try to meet the needs of the homeless children uh, in the, the Dallas Metroplex area. Um, I, through my office, through work, we just went a few weeks ago and helped them uh, repack thousands and thousands of diapers to be uh, distributed to children in the area. Um, yeah, so I mean, there's a lot of kids out there that uh, don't have anything and they do their best to try and meet those needs for them. So check them out. And if you have a favorite charity here in Texas that uh, you think deserves some recognition, why not shoot us a tweet about it? We'd be happy to retweet and talk about any great Texas charities that are helping out people today. In 1997, 10 years and 5 days after an F4 tornado destroyed the town of Saragossa in West Texas, a truly massive wall cloud barreled down I-35 south from Waco towards Austin, producing a terrible outbreak of tornadoes, including one of the fiercest and most destructive F5 tornadoes ever recorded, which obliterated portions of the town of Gerald. Gerald's a small pit stop town about 40 miles north of Austin. In 1997, there were approximately 500 residents in the town. In the early morning hours of May 27th, 
a large weather complex developed over eastern Oklahoma and western Arkansas, which produced a gravity wave or an outflow boundary, which was generated by this system, and it stalled out over central Texas. This was oriented from the northeast to the southeast, and it caused the supercells and subsequent tornadoes to move from the northeast towards the southwest. Now, if you remember, we've talked about different tornadoes, and generally speaking, they move north-northeast. So this is very rare in the northern hemisphere. The storm followed a track that roughly anchored on Interstate 35, which we've talked about as a highway uh, that cuts north-south through the state. And by the time the storm front reached Waco in the afternoon, it had formed a huge towering wall that was pitch black in color, and it produced driving rain, whipping winds, and hail. The eastern, e- the eastern edge of the storm only extended about a dozen miles east from I-35, but it stretched quite a ways west of the freeway. The initial funnel cloud touched down as a thin pencil-like tornado near the Bell-Williamson County line just north of Gerald. Although thin, it was already very powerful. It scoured a cotton field down to a depth of 18 inches. Next, it moved on to a wheat field, plucking out the wheat shafts by the millions, and then impaled the cows that were in the field beyond that. Its funnel rapidly intensified into a violent three-quarter-mile-wide multi-vortex F5 tornado at around 3.45 p.m. The storm tracked across the ground for 7.6 miles and hit Gerald full force, inflicting beyond catastrophic damage in parts of the town. A neighborhood called Double Creek Estates, where 38 homes had recently been built, were completely dismantled and swept away, all reduced to concrete slabs. All 27 people killed in the storms were in Double Creek Estates. The tornado was so fierce that it left virtually no sizable debris. The debris from the destroyed homes was either thrown several miles away were dismantled into small fragments and scattered for long distances across the countryside. The tornado victims sustained such horrible physical trauma that recovery teams had difficulty distinguishing human remains from animal remains scattered throughout the area. Many of the people were never recovered at all. After hitting Double Creek, which is northwest of town, the storm tracked to the southwest away from the town. Businesses along the highways and homes in town suffered considerable wind and hail damage, but the only other fatalities were over 300 cattle from nearby ranches, which were killed by the tornado. It dissipated southwest of town about an hour or so later, but the storm continued to Austin, producing one additional F4 tornado, three additional F3 tornadoes, and 15 tornadoes of F2 magnitude or weaker, for a total of 20 for the day. Rescue workers and volunteers described Gerald as looking like a war zone. About 40 total structures in the western part of town were completely destroyed, most of them houses in Double Creek. Dozens of vehicles damaged beyond recognition were thrown great distances, some more than half a mile. Some of the vehicles were blasted into many pieces and strewn across fields. Others were never found at all. Nearby vehicles that remained relatively intact were sandblasted down to their frames and completely caked with mud and grass. Some houses also had the paint or siding blasted off by the extreme winds and debris. A small steel frame recycling facility was completely leveled, leaving nothing of the structure at all but the foundation and a few mangled steel beams. Telephone poles were snapped off at the base and splintered, and trees in the area were completely shredded and debarked. When the tornado crossed county roads outside of Gerald, it tore away 500-foot segments of asphalt. 
The tornado didn't leave enough damage indicators to judge wind speeds, but video of the tornado shows extremely violent rotation and updraft winds comparable to other F5 tornadoes. Newspaper articles from 1997 reported wind speeds of 400 miles an hour, and while there is currently no way of knowing if these are correct, many researchers consider the Gerald Storm to be the most violent tornado in terms of damage intensity that has ever been seen, and could very well be that high. Numerous vehicles sought shelter underneath various overpasses as the Gerald Tornado formed and strengthened, turning Interstate 35 into a virtual parking lot. The Texas Highway Patrol worsened the traffic jam by stopping both northbound and southbound traffic in anticipation of the tornado moving southeastward and crossing the highway. Had the tornado abruptly changed direction that way and moved due south or southeast, the death toll would have been much higher as nearly five miles of traffic and hundreds of people were trapped on the highway with no route of escape. However, the tornado moved in the south-southwestern direction parallel to but not converging on the highway. And so the extreme rarity of the storm itself prevented the death toll from being catastrophic. In the years since this storm, the town cleaned up and the Double Creek neighborhood has been rebuilt. The town's even growing with another major suburban subdivision opening up and growing the population to over 1,500 people. Today, Gerald has built a memorial park to honor the 27 victims of that deadly day. The 2000 Fort Worth Tornado during the evening hours of March 28, 2000, a powerful F3 tornado struck downtown Fort Worth, Texas, and adjacent areas causing significant damage to numerous buildings and skyscrapers, as well as two additional deaths. The tornado was part of a larger severe weather outbreak that caused widespread storms across Texas and Oklahoma, and is the first time a tornado has struck a city center in Texas since the 1970 Lubbock tornado. The, stun- the thunderstorm that formed in the afternoon of March 28th 2000 wasn't expected by the weather service to be too much to worry about. It was going to be just a storm created by a subtropical jet extending from the south and a cold front coming in from the plains. Computer models indicated that the day storms would feature primarily strong winds and hail with minimal risk to tornadoes, with the severe weather occurring mainly north in Oklahoma. However, condition worsened further than expected, and the National Weather Service Weather Forecast Office intensified its verbiage in its public forecasting as the day progressed, highlighting areas around the DFW Metroplex as potential risk areas for tornado. At 4.38 p.m., a severe thunderstorm warning was issued on the quickly organizing storm for Parker County, west of Fort Worth. About an hour later, another severe thunderstorm warning was issued, this time for Tarrant County, as the storm continued to track eastward. Tarrant County, of course, is where Fort Worth is located. Radar imagery showed that the supercell was rapidly organizing, developing the signatures that hint at a strong and potentially tornadic thunderstorm. At around the same time, a wall cloud was spotted with the rotating thunderstorm, while baseball-sized hail fell ahead of the rotation in northern Fort Worth along Interstate 820. At 6.10 p.m., a tornado warning was issued for Tarrant County, and emergency sirens were activated in Fort Worth a minute later. The tornado touched down at 6.18 p.m. near Castleberry High School northwest of downtown Fort Worth. Initially, the tornado lacked a condensation funnel and could only be identified as dust swirls near the ground were rotating. The tornado maintained this appearance for five minutes and then developed a full condensation funnel. The first signs of damage occurred in the River Oaks area along Texas Highway 183, where metal roof panels were stripped off a vacant fast food restaurant. After crossing the highway, the tornado inflicted sporadic damage to an older residential area, 
breaking tree branches and causing damage to some buildings. A few chimneys were toppled off of homes. Now, at the time, the tornado's damage path was only a few hundred feet wide. The tornado passed directly over Castleberry High School and caused significant damage to the school's field house. The tornado crossed the Trinity River and dealt greater damage to over 100 homes in the adjacent subdivision. At the intersection of West 6th Street and University Drive, the tornado abruptly turned east from its initial southeast heading and caused significant destruction to the lightly built homes in the Linwood subdivision. It then passed over Montgomery Ward Distribution Center, causing roof damage to the complex and overturned numerous parked trucks. One person was killed while trying to reach a shelter after a truck fell on him. Another person was killed after being struck by a collapsing brick wall. Several nearby buildings were toppled before the tornado once again crossed the Trinity River, entering Fort Worth Central Business District. The tornado struck several skyscrapers as it moved across downtown Fort Worth over the course of approximately a minute between 6.25 and 6.26 p.m. The first high-rise building impacted was the nine-story Cash America building, which was nearly destroyed by the tornado. All windows on the building's northwestern and southwestern faces were blown out by the strong winds, and the stone facade framing the building's exterior crumbled. The tornado also peeled some of the brick masonry off the dome and five-story prayer tower of a nearby Baptist church. The tornado was at its peak strength when it struck the 10-story Malik Tower, causing the building to lose most of its glass exterior. Similar damage occurred to several other high-rises, including the 35-story Bank One Tower and the Union Pacific Resources Building. The tornado eventually dissipated at 6.28 p.m. near Interstate 35W after having spent 10 minutes on the ground over the course of a 4-mile-long and 250-yard-wide path. Across Fort Worth, 212 homes were damaged, of which 28 were destroyed. Although the tornado dissipated just east of downtown Fort Worth, the parent supercell thunderstorm continued to cause damage, albeit minor and sporadic, to roofs, trees, fences, and billboards roughly three miles near Interstate 30 and Brentwood Stair Road. In addition to the two people killed by the tornado, another man in northwest Fort Worth was killed after being struck by baseball-sized hail, the first known hail fatality in the United States since 1979. Nine of the tornadoes also occurred across North Texas on March 28th, although most were relatively inconsequential. Another strong F3 impacted portions of Arlington, including Arlington Municipal Airport. All told, the cost of damage was enormous despite the low loss of life, around $450 million, which today would be about $600 million. The 2015 Christmas Outbreak Our last tornado struck Texas in the unlikeliest of times. March, April, May, these are the months that most Texans expect tornadic activity. However, the day after Christmas in 2015, a massive storm complex stretching from New Mexico and Colorado all the way to New England produced a thunderstorm over the Dallas Metroplex that resulted in 12 tornadoes striking the area, with a powerful F4 wedge tornado ripping through the eastern suburbs of Garland and Rowlett. On Christmas Day 2015, a powerful ice storm struck New Mexico, Colorado, and the Texas Panhandle, locking up the roads with ice and snow and pushing a strong low-pressure front east across North Texas and Oklahoma. Several states, especially Missouri, were hit with heavy rain and snow causing severe floods. As the system moved through the Great Lakes region, heavy rain, ice pellets, and heavy snow fell in the entire region. In north-central Texas, the storm produced thunderstorms. 
On December 26, 2015, the storm had an outbreak of tornadoes, with 32 total confirmed. This began when 12 tornadoes impacted Texas that evening, mostly in and around the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. As families were out shopping or going to the movies or eating dinner together, the driving rain and high winds appeared as if out of nowhere. At around 8.30 p.m., sirens began blaring throughout the city, advising all to seek shelter. An F3 tornado moved through multiple subdivisions in Ovia and Glen Heights, Texas, on the south side of the Metroplex, destroying numerous homes and two churches. At around the same time, the most powerful storm, a large and powerful F4 wedge tornado, struck residential areas in Garland, a suburb just northeast of Dallas, before it also destroyed many homes in the neighboring suburb of Rallet. An F2 tornado killed two people in Copeville, northeast of McKinney, while an F1 caused another fatality near Blue Ridge, not far from Copeville. A total of 13 people were killed, but the chaos of the event was compounded by the holiday crowds gathered in the city. Social media reported that cars were clustered under overpasses, moviegoers huddled in the center of Megaplex theaters, and the shoppers at North Park Mall were gathered in the basements of the anchor stores and against interior walls in the other mall shops. Hundreds of homes were destroyed in Garland and Rowlett, and the damage from tornadoes in Texas alone was estimated at $1.2 billion. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, that last story is probably the most uh, familiar I am with uh, any tornado disaster. Um, I think what sticks with me as being a, a, an NPR listener, um, they did a great series here locally on KERA where they uh, kept in touch with a lot of the people affected by that storm, uh, by those tornadoes, and um, you know followed up with them and followed their journey through the the past few years as they've they've tried to rebuild. And it's some really compelling and and heartbreaking and and also uplifting stories of people um, dealing with and um, getting on with their lives after that tragedy. Yeah, I I was telling Sean that I can remember driving around. Um, driving through that area right after that happened a couple of times, and it's just, uh, it just takes your breath away to see that kind of damage. I mean, yeah. yeah. So, so Scott, were y'all in town when the tornado hit? Were you down? Ah, uh, 2015. Um, you know, I don't remember where we were. Uh, Christmas time. Well, 26th day after Christmas, we were here. We were definitely here. Yeah. Yeah. So we were out, uh, my brother and his family and, and me and my family and my parent and our parents, we, uh, went out, we had our Christmas on, on that, that day, uh, we opened presents and stuff and we'd already taken my grandparents home, uh, or back to Fort Worth. And then my dad met us at, uh, babes and we all went to babes and had dinner in, in Frisco. And so we get there and it's like, oh, I heard it, it may rain today. <laughs> and so we saw that it might rain. And then we got, and my dad was like, oh, he came back. He's like, yeah, it's getting a little kind of rainy out here in Fort Worth. And so we went and we went and sat down in the re- in the restaurant. We got seated right away. And it was like, oh, it's, it's, it's kind of getting windy, but it's, I don't think it's going to rain. And so we sat down and then everybody in the restaurant, about 20 minutes later, every phone starts going off like mm-hmm just it's it's cacophony and i was like oh i wonder what's going on and and the waitress says uh i think there's like really bad rain and and it's there's a storm coming so i went out and there's this little hallway with some seats where people can sit and then babes in frisco has a kind of a courtyard area where most people just sit and wait for their table 
everybody in the courtyard was crammed into this little into this little hallway. And I come back and I was like, well, we're not going anywhere. So if the tornado comes, I guess we're just going to be eating chicken when the tornado comes. So we had ordered our food and we were just eating because we're like, well, there's nowhere else to go. Then when we got out in the cars and we were going back to our house, it was very eerie driving through Frisco because Frisco Public, their, their broadcast, they were playing sirens, but they were also over the loudspeakers playing an over and over message, seek shelter now, seek shelter now. And I was like, okay, this is weird. Uh, but then when we got back to the house and turned on the news, it was clear that the tornado was further east in, in the Garland area. So that was that, uh, that was that was really weird. But it was also fascinating to me that I didn't know that the that the the banker stores in North Park Mall had basements. I didn't know they had basements underneath the mall. So that was very interesting. That's crazy. Uh, yeah. yeah. So I've got a connection. I've got a connection to all these storms here. Um, but the 97 Gerald. So Gerald is 12 miles away from Bartlett, where my family lives, uh, lived at the time. Uh, my dad was the principal at the school. My mom was the librarian. Um, we had just graduated, as I stated, from UT Dallas. Uh, you and I had uh, and Scott. And yeah. so I was back home. And that day was high school graduation. So my brother was graduating from high school. So we had at our home, myself, back home from college, my mom's parents um, and my dad's parents, his mom and his stepdad, uh, they were all there. And Jer uh, Bartlett is, like I said, 12 miles from Jared, Gerald. So my dad called and said, hey, the weather's getting bad. Why don't you come up to the school? Um, they're saying there could be some tornadoes. So we got everybody together and went up to the school. Um, and when we got out, got there and I got out of the car and I went out to the front, to the front of the school with my dad and the, and the superintendent to look at this storm coming in. And it, we saw this wall cloud. It was like the it was like a canyon cliff stretching up as far as you could see. And it was black pitch black like tar um and it was massive it was it was beyond massive it was it was like uh, it was like the wall in game of thrones actually if mm. you if you can picture the wall on game of thrones except turn it black that's what it that's it's not ex exaggerating when i say that you know 20 20 years later in seeing game of thrones um but the thing was, so we were watching it. And we're like, gosh, is that going to come? Is that going to come? We had the TV on and we were, they were showing the radar and I could see the eastern edge of the storm. And I was like, it's it's moving. And we could start to see we saw as the storm went parallel to us, but it was not coming to us. But I was terrified at that. That point was the most frightened I've ever been of a storm um, because I felt like this. If this comes at us, this is going to be horrific uh it ended up hitting gerald and uh well, my brother's friends who he graduated with they actually lived in the country but they had a gerald address so they were actually and their church was in gerald so they were actually able to go into town the highway patrol had the whole town the whole town every road leading into the town blocked off you could not go into the town because there was so much destruction well scott and his family were able to go in through their church with their church because they had a that a driver's licenses that said gerald and he said that it was like it was like the a war movie. Uh, there was there was just destruction everywhere in those neighborhoods because they were going in and trying to help look for people. It was it was just horrible. 
Um, so, uh, but the, you know, the town recovered. And I think the thing about it is I didn't realize this. I thought that the whole town was destroyed, but then, you know, buildings that I would see when we had to go down there were still there. And I, you know, realized that it really struck the, the Western part of town. That's where the bad, uh, damage was. So it was freaky. That was, that was really scary. Uh, and then my connection to the Fort Worth storm. So you got, we were all in Dallas uh, in 2000. So if you guys remember, our, my roommate Joe had won a trip to Las Vegas. And it was that week before that, a couple of days before that. So we were supposed to fly home on the 28th. And uh, we sat on the tarmac in Las Vegas airport um, for about three hours because they said, oh, there's a bad storm. Uh, but we're going to get in the air as soon as we can. So we sat out there for three hours, and then we flew around West Texas for another hour to hour and a half. And they were like, okay, so there's a tornado that's hitting downtown Fort Worth, so we can't get to the airport. Uh, we may have to land in Midland. <laughs> so Or Lubbock, or whichever one. Wherever, if we run out of fuel, we're going to have to either go to Midland or Lubbock. Um, but you could see that storm front, and you could see we were flying high enough, you could see dance uh, lightning dancing across the tops of the the cloud peaks uh and so that was that was very that was very crazy and so then we land and we find out oh there's terrible tornadoes in in uh in fort worth so so those are my connections to these stories but the gerald one is the one that sticks out to me the most because it was yeah that was a scary scary thing i mean that was the most terrifying looking storm and it was the middle of the afternoon um you could just you could see it from miles away, and it looked like it was bearing down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Woo. crazy. crazy. Te- Texas weather, folks. That's Don't. crazy, man. Yeah, I think that's crazy, man. Yeah, we had we had we had my both sets of grandparents, my brother, my mom, myself, our dog. We were all inside the school, along with a whole bunch of other teachers and maintenance staff and stuff, uh, and coaches. And their families, so there's a whole bunch of people gathered in the in the school because they had a, they did have a, a like a an anchored uh, the elementary building. I think the administration building for the elementary was anchored, and it was it was a big concrete slab building. So that was like, oh, if you're going to be anywhere, this is where you need to be. Well, the two things, you know, just to throw in just a short thing here, is I just remember watching like when the big Gerald thing happened, just because it was such the high fatalities and everything that happened and. You were close to I just remember that it was one of those things that was super picked up on by the news. And yeah. there was all those stories were so heartbreaking. And it was one of those things that you watch and you're just like, wow, this is um, this is just an incredible thing to witness. It's one of those historic moments you watch and witness and you just can't really comprehend until yeah. it's sort of done. Yeah, if you read anything from from really tornado experts, they are they're baffled by the, that storm that it's. It's 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 mind blowing just how damaging that storm was, uh, and it's amazing that it it is amazing that it didn't destroy more of the town. It's amazing that it didn't you know go tear up an entire section of I thirty five. You know there's a there's mm-hmm. a ton of little towns all around there that it could have hit. It could have hit right. Salado, could have hit Bartlett, it, it could have hit any of those little towns out there. So, um. Or could have hit Temple. You know, that's the thing is if the Temple's only 30 miles, 20, 30 miles away. So, it, right, right. But the, but the the point I was going to get to with the two is the fact that you just, it captured the imagination. And then the same thing with the 2015 tornado. Yeah. Just we recently have watched all the drama with the Texas hurricanes. When that tornado hit, there were so many personal stories 
Um, and maybe it's just that we live in an age of cell phones and an age of connectivity, but there were so many uh, amazing and heartbreaking stories that just came out of that to witness and watch. And I can remember just driving through that area and just it, you know, it looked like a bomb went off and then there was a massive cleanup and then there were just sort of these giant piles of rubble and lots of houses with tarps on the roof. And you just sort of watched over the months and years as eventually the tarps sort of rolled up and the buildings were either knocked down or repaired. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, you just wouldn't know that something had happened just a few short years later. You wouldn't know if you hadn't been there and watched it. And that's kind of the amazing thing about these disasters, these storms, because we've covered so many different disasters and storms throughout the history of Texas. And it seems like just a thing of it, it's massively awful. It leaves a scar and then eventually it heals. And it affects people, but not directly And it, yeah. it, as the years roll by. So it's kind of an interesting thing. Of It's just one of those pieces of living in Texas, and certainly in Central and, and especially North Texas, you just deal with, you got to deal with tornadoes. And it's something yeah, it, in the back of your mind. Yeah, and this one, the, the, the 2015 one was so weird because it was December. You just don't associate a tornado with the day after yeah. Christmas. Yeah. That, that was what was. Absolutely. I mean, the, the, the day before, there's this big ice storm in West Texas in the Panhandle. And I remember seeing reports is like, do not travel. Basically, if you're going to Amarillo, don't. Just don't. Don't get on the road. You won't get there. Um, and so that was to be expected. You know, you can, you, can, you, can, you can expect a blizzard to come through in December. You don't expect it to be. It was 80 degrees that afternoon. You know, it was, it was warm. It was not cold. And then, and then the storm comes in, and it's like, you don't expect there to be a tornado the day after Christmas. You expect to go, you know, use your gift cards and return your return items at the mall, you know, and, you know, keep, keep getting some more presents from family. You don't expect mm-hmm. there to be a tornado siren blaring and you've got to seek shelter. That's, that's what is the thing. Yeah. But the other thing is that, you know, we've, we've talked about nine or 10 tornadoes in the course of these three episodes that occurred over basically over, over a century. Um, the thing about it is, is that, like you said, in, that the tornado is something we have tornadoes every month for, you know, three, four, five months in Texas. They just happen. Thunderstorms, even tornadoes occur all the time, all over the place and causing various, causing various degrees of damage. So, you know, if you live in the panhandle, you live in North Texas, you are kind of used to it, but it's still a tragedy. It's still something that occurs and that's terrible that happens and so um you know that's these are things that have certainly impacted and touched texas in in big ways and and many of these as i've said have touched me personally so or my family or or have you know personal connections to them well this has been a very personal series and a wonderful look at uh, tornadoes in texas and i would encourage any of you that have your own personal stories or things to share particularly about some of these more modern tornadoes or historical ones or if there's one that we didn't talk about that you think we should well just jump on the old twitter and shoot us a note give us contact us so uh, we'd love to hear from you and hear your stories that wraps things up for today you can find notes and links from today's show at brainstable.com we'd love to hear from you so like and share us on facebook follow our show on twitter at texas podcast or go to brainstable.com and leave some feedback you can find our show and many other great history podcasts at historypodcasters.com. And why not follow us individually, too? I'm on Twitter at Mr. Java. I'm Max Shaw with two ends. And I'm Scotticus. 
If you like the show, tell your friends what we're doing and leave a review on iTunes because that helps to find listeners just like you. If you'd like to support the show financially, please visit patreon.com slash texaspodcast. We hope you'll join us next time, and remember that even if you aren't from Texas, Texas wants you anyway. <laughs>